the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, October the 14th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on October 14, 1947, U.S. Air Force Captain Charles Chuck Yeager. He became the first test pilot to break the sound barrier. Today in 1066, the Normans under William the Conqueror defeated the English at the Battle of Hastings. Today in 1586, Mary, Queen of Scots, went on trial in England. She was accused of committing treason against Queen Elizabeth I. Mary was beheaded in February of 1587. Today in 1944, German Field Marshal Erwin Rommel, he took his own life rather than face trial and certain execution for allegedly conspiring against Adolf Hitler. Today in 1964, Martin Luther King Jr. was named winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. Today in 1968, the first successful live telecast from a manned U.S. spacecraft was transmitted from Apollo 7. Today in 2014, a second nurse at Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital in Dallas, Texas, came down with Ebola after contracting it from a dying patient. I think that nurse, as I recall, that nurse lived, but had a pretty bad case of it. Five years ago today, a judge in Connecticut dismissed a wrongful death lawsuit by Newtown families against the maker of the rifle used in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting massacre. The court cited a federal law that shielded gun manufacturers from most lawsuits over criminal use of their products. Interestingly enough, just as a sidebar, every time you turn on the television and listen to the news, quote unquote, or the radio for that matter, you're always hearing about gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. They're trying to make a case. They're trying to vilify the gun itself. When they're missing the whole point, and I think purposefully in most cases, it isn't the gun that's violent. It's the person that has the gun that's violent. This morning, there's a story coming out of Norway where guns are all but forbidden, I think. I don't think they even have a provision for guns. I'm not sure about that. I just didn't have time to look it up. But it's a non-gun kind of a place for sure. Story coming out of Norway this morning. Five are dead. They were attacked with bows and arrows. The headline says, five are dead after a bow and arrow rampage in Norway. It isn't about guns or bows and arrows or knives or machetes. It's about violence. It's about sin in the heart of people that causes them to do all kinds of things, including violent things. We don't need to get rid of guns. We need to get rid of sin. And Jesus Christ accomplished that on the cross, and we need to tell his story, because that is the salvation for an individual and ultimately for a nation. Associated Press is 
reporting this morning that one year ago today, this is Associated Press this morning, one year ago today, Facebook and Twitter took steps to limit the spread of an unverified political story about the son of Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden that was published by the conservative-leaning New York Post. The moves, I'm still quoting them, Associated Press, the moves led to cries of censorship from the right. That's how they presented this this morning in their ABC rundown or Associated Press rundown news. The truth of the matter is, it was well established a year ago today. I followed it very closely and have continued to do so throughout the year. It was very well established that that was indeed Hunter Biden's laptop. They knew it was his laptop because it had all kinds of stuff that he had written on there to various people, and it had pictures of him, some of which he was naked in a hotel room with a prostitute. It was real easy to identify the laptop. But to this day, a year later, Associated Press is still trying to put any shade of cover for the Biden family they can on some of the horrendous things these people are involved in. This morning, this morning, corporate-owned media, Politico says, I'm reading their headline, and Politico is not Fox News. It is at best moderate. It's probably a little bit left-leaning, but not nearly as much as Associated Press is and CNN and that group. But Politico is announcing this morning a headline. Corporate-owned media this week can no longer ignore mounting evidence of Hunter Biden's ethics scandals. With both Politico and Business Insider reporting, and it goes on to say that Business Insider's article his senior correspondent, Matthias Swartz. I didn't have time to read the whole article. I just saw the headline just before we came on the air live uh, now, right now at 9 o'clock in the morning Pacific time. But they, this uh, Matthias Swartz is, is talking about this, and he says that uh, Hunter Biden isn't Trump, but what he's up to is bad and deserves your attention, even if you hate Fox News and Trump. And above an illustration of, of President Joe Biden cradling his chin in his hand with Hunter hiding behind a wall of money. And then it goes into the story of what's been happening and the fact that the laptop is indeed and other laptops are indeed Hunter Biden's laptops. It just and my point isn't about the laptop. My point is about the press and how they work day and night, tooth and nail to try to mislead the public. They try to protect those that are of themselves, and they try to destroy those with whom they disagree. It doesn't matter if it's Trump or Ronald Reagan. Very different personalities, but both were targeted by these same people. I've lived long enough to have seen both come and go, Reagan and Trump. And the press was doing the same thing, doing it more overtly, now than back in the day in the 80s when they were trying to undermine Ronald Reagan. But it's the same thing. We've got to be so careful. We've got to be informed and we've got to have a sense of, of, of truth 
to understand what's going on in our culture today and yet not to understand creates anxiety and it creates all kinds of depression and issues that people have today. And I mean, it's well documented. America is depressed right now, not only politically and economically through some of the policies that President Biden is putting in place, but I mean, it's just depressed over all this stuff that's going on. And it's easy to become depressed and it's easy to be kind of stricken with anxiety because we don't live in good times. These are not good times that we're living through right now, but we will get through this because God is in control and God is almighty God. He's not just the God of some of us and our ideas. He's almighty God. Psalm 27 is familiar to most of us, but let me share a bit of it with you this morning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though a host should camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And this is... The Lord is my light and my salvation. That is the word of the Lord. The most important thing that I have to tell you this morning is that. But let's talk a little bit about the culture. Americans are concerned about the supply chain crisis. A Rasmussen poll was published 15 minutes ago, just before I came on the air. I took it because I wanted to quote it to you this morning because I want to talk to you a little bit about this and about its ramifications, the supply chain, because it touches all of us, and that's reflected in this poll. As I said, Rasmussen and um, Human Events did this together, this poll. They co-funded it, and it came out, as I said, 15 minutes ago, so it's very recent. And they took it uh, yesterday and day before, Monday and Tuesday, or Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Here's what it says. Problems affecting the U.S. supply chain have a majority of Americans concerned, as they are already noticing shortages in stores, and they expect the federal government to take action to solve the crisis. A new national online survey by Rasmussen Reports and Human Events finds that 85% of American adults are concerned that supply chain problems may lead to shortages of basic items. Of that 85% who are concerned, 49% say they are very concerned, stressed about it. Only 11% of America say they're not concerned about the problem. That's one of the highest readings I've seen on any issue similar to this in a long, long time. 85% of adult Americans are concerned about what's going on, and they should. The White House admitted yesterday that they're unable to guarantee that packages will arrive on time for Christmas. In fact, Jen Psaki, which she often does in her cynical way, sort of laughed about it. These packages that are coming for Christmas and all of the food items and all of the other stuff that we get from other people, particularly China, they're sealed up in 250,000 Shipping containers. You've seen these big metal shipping containers. I mean, one of them is a whole big semi truckload, and they have 250,000 of them sitting offshore in LA, New York, 
and a couple of other cities, but they're primarily in Los Angeles and Long Beach, California. They're just sitting out there on boats. The White House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki, she said yesterday, we are not the Postal Service or UPS or FedEx. When asked about the hundreds of ships sitting off Southern California shore waiting to be unloaded, her comments, well, was, we're working on it. Her comments proved, at least to me and others, wiser than I am, that this administration was not, it was very unprepared for this newest crisis. It's crisis upon crisis upon crisis because we have no leadership. It was for this crisis, much like the withdrawal from Afghanistan or the hundreds of thousands of people flooding across the southern border. Maybe they want this to happen. Maybe they don't want to solve these problems. I don't know. I've come to that very slowly, but I'm at least in my mind open to the idea it could be. It's unthinkable. But it could be. But this is an unprepared presidency. Joe Biden, by his own his own admission, has had a lifelong dream of becoming president of the United States, and all of his life, apparently, has been focused toward that end. He has run several times. He's now president of the United States, and he doesn't know what to do with it. He isn't apparently capable, or he doesn't have the will or the ability to make decisions. It's an unprepared presidency. In promising we cannot promise, the White House press secretary said, although we cannot guarantee you will get your packages, your Christmas packages before Christmas, we do promise to use every lever at the federal government's disposal to reduce delays. That is the most cockamamie, politically, not even correct, politically divisive statement you can make. They always talk, and they never say anything. That's kind of the hallmark of the left. But that's where we are. The White House has been attempting to downplay a lack of planning and prevention by claiming that the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic made the situation inevitable. It isn't, wasn't inevitable. Of course it was a looming problem. A leader would have addressed it. Any number of leaders would have addressed it, but not this one. It's not inevitable. In other words, President Biden was unprepared to handle the situation which experts have been warning about for months. I've been seeing these warnings. I've been thinking, well, surely somebody will take some action. I mean, I don't have any authority. I can't call those boats and tell them what to do. But I mean, just us little people across America, we see this. We address issues in our own lives and families and try to take care of them and solve the problems as best we can. No, it seems like these guys are just on a pleasure cruise and they're just saying, well, wow, how did this happen? Where did all these boats come from? I don't know. But now we're seeing the collapse of our supply chain in America. And that's very serious. Yesterday, Los Angeles had, according to the Business Insider, nearly 500,000 shipping containers or about 12 metric million, 12 million metric tons of goods waiting in drift areas or at anchor for spots. No, they weren't unloading. They were waiting to get to port to unload because there's so many other ships in port right now that are trying to get unloaded. The port has 19 mega container ships waiting to dock, the largest of which is carrying 16,022 of those great big containers 
those 20-foot shipping containers. One ship has 16,022 of them on board. And that it looks like a if you look out across the ocean from LA and Long Beach, it looks like it looks like a marina. I mean, there's just these big ships as far as you can see out there sitting there waiting. Yesterday, President Biden said, quote, today I'm announcing that the port of L.A. will begin operating around the clock 24-7 to make sure that Americans can get the goods they need. Well, that's a little a little too late, I think. But nonetheless, that's what he said. He said, my administration is working around the clock to move goods faster and strengthen the resiliency of our supply chains. Well, we don't need to strengthen the resiliency of our supply chains. We need some leadership to make things work in America, and they're not. They always resort to rooting, finding the root cause and strengthening their resiliency. I can just imagine these guys that are driving these semi-trucks, these big trucks, big rigs. They're sitting there in these lines, and they're waiting for this massive problem to get somewhat solved, and them hearing... Yes, the president is going to strengthen their resiliency. They don't want the they don't want the 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 resiliency strengthened. They just want their truck loaded so they can make their money and get on down the highway. I mean, I don't know. They're so out of touch. The president is also encouraging states to speed up licensing for truck drivers, noting there's room on the freeways at night for more trucks to move more goods. So the next time you think you're going to take off from Seattle down I-5 to L.A. or whatever at night and you're going to travel in less traffic, and there are people who do that because it is less traffic most of the time on the major freeways at night. Well, not so much anymore. You just wait. You'll be locked in with semis everywhere. Biden has observed that there's less traffic at night on the freeways. He said that. So he's going to put more trucks on the freeway at night. So don't count on making better time on your next road trip if you're traveling at night. But shipping ports in Los Angeles and Long Beach, California, just those two account for 40% of all the shipping containers entering the U.S. Monday morning, there were 62 ships docked at the two ports and 81 of these massive ships waiting to dock and unload. The delays are leading to empty store shelves. I've noticed it. Have you? You probably have. Retailers say they're normally, normally they order about eight weeks in advance, but they say there's no normal anymore. It doesn't exist. It's so bad that Biden attempted to blame Trump the other day. I heard this and I, I, I saw it. And I, I looked at my wife and I thought, I, I don't believe this. I mean, Trump is gone. He's not running the country. But Biden said, well, this was handed to me by our, previous, by our previous presidency. Even the press, who hate Trump, they laughed. Nobody believed it. I think Biden sort of tossed that one because he realized it wasn't going to work for him. But he said it. It was Trump. Trump is why the shelves are empty today. If you're planning to buy a toy for a child this Christmas, Amazon said Tuesday, order now. Oh, I know they were trying to spike orders, but they're probably right. Saul Alinsky was a champion of President Obama 
certainly a champion for Hillary Clinton. In fact, she was absorbed in what he had written, and she wrote him personal notes and told him how much she appreciated and how he had enriched her life and so on. In fact, he tried to hire her at one time, and she almost went to work for him. He lived in Chicago. Then she decided not to, to pursue other things, probably an education, maybe Bill Clinton. I don't know what she was pursuing, but something. But she decided not to go to work for him, but she made it clear it wasn't because she had any issue with what he taught. Among other things, he, t- he wrote the book Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky. And that's a, a way to disrupt what is normal and use the abnormal or use the crisis to advance an agenda. That's what we're facing today. The ideology of the left is not to solve the problems for mankind. It is to claim to solve the problems for mankind. And it is to use the crisis, whether it's ships sitting out at sea and they can't deliver the products that keep America running and living, or whether it's a border crisis, or whether it's a withdrawal from Afghanistan. It doesn't matter what it is. But the first impulse of the left, the progressive, is to seize the crisis and use it to advance a far-left, ungodly ideology. Plato was a Greek philosopher. He lived in the city-state of Athens. In 380 B.C., Plato wrote The Republic, Our founders were very familiar with that. They had studied it. In fact, they talked about it in their deliberations many years later when they were creating what we know as the United States of America. Plato wrote in the Republic in his books 8 and 9, he said, states are as the men are. They grow out of human characters. He said, like state, like man. This work written by Plato is a actually a collection of conversations made by his teacher, Socrates. It gives insights into human behavior, which is amazingly applicable to today, 2021. Plato described government going through five stages. The constitutions of states are five, he wrote. The five stages that he mentions is a royal uh, aristocratical one, there's a timocratical one, there's an oligarchical one, there's a democratical phase, there's a tyrannical phase. I want to talk to you just a little bit about this, all from a biblical perspective. We have seen an assault on everything that we are and believe in in America or have believed in. He talks about each of these stages, and I don't have time to go into all of it, except I just want to touch on this to give you a sense that history is being bent, and it always bends toward truth. It doesn't matter how relativistic or how secularist or how whatever people are, even those in places of power. God is in control and over all things, and God works situations and for his purposes. All things work together for good, according to those that are called by his 
purposes or his plans. Plato says in his second phase of government, he calls it democracy. He wrote, now what man answers to is this form of government. He is a lover of honor, claiming to be a ruler. Busybodies are honored and applauded. He said they enter politics, these people in this democracy, they enter politics with the best of intentions, perhaps, but having no experience running anything successfully, they yield to avarice or covetousness, and they begin to vote them and their family and their friends favors out of the city treasury. He goes on, he talks a lot about that. He adds the love of honor turns to love of money. The conversion is instantaneous because they have no means of openly acquiring the money which they prize because they've spent their whole life in politics. They have they will spend that which is another man's to enrich themselves. He talks about the third phase, which is the oligarchy. They seek money to get into office. Then, once elected, they funnel money and favors to the supporters, who in turn help them stay in power, thus creating a deep state ruling class. These are Plato's, not my words, his words. He wrote, the, they invent illegal modes of expenditure for what they do, and their wives care about the law. Their fondness of money makes them unwilling to pay taxes, so they grow richer and richer the less they think of virtue, and the virtuous are dishonored. Oligarchical leaders, he wrote, do not value virtue. They're educated or experienced in how to responsibly, they are not educated or experienced in how to run business. And that's where we are today. But let me, let, let me talk to you a little bit about this one. He said, the ruling class do not want remedies. They care only for money and are as careless of virtue as the poorest of citizens. Hear these words in the context of where we are today. But he says the fifth stage of government of the republic is tyranny. The tyrant is a lover of power. Plato described how when the city-state descends into chaos, a mayor or governor, or president in our case, will come along who demands emergency powers to fix the situation and in the process will usurp power and become a tyrant. He wrote, last of all comes the tyrant. In the early days of his power, he's full of smiles. He salutes everyone whom he meets, making promises in public and also in private, liberating debtors, distributing land to the people and his followers, and wanting to be so kind and good to everyone. This, he says, is the root from which a tyrant springs. When he first appears above the ground, he is a protector. He talks about the abolition of debt the partition of lands, and gives so much away to all the people. Plato explained the protector then yields to avarice and uses his newly acquired power to target his political opponents, and the protector of the people, having a mob entirely at his disposal, is now not restrained from shedding blood of the kinsmen. He then outlines in his work how that the person, the leader, goes from being the savior to the tyrant. And that could be where we are today or where we're headed for sure. In his work, he quotes these words 
In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. That is the truth of the Lord. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.